I have heard it said by some that the reason women in the church struggle to know themselves is because they don't have a divine female role model. But we do. We believe we have a mother in heaven. Furthermore, I believe we know much more about our eternal nature than we think we do. And it is our sacred obligation to express our knowledge, to teach it to our young sisters and daughters. Patricia Holland Welcome to In Her Image, a podcast where we are seeking and celebrating our Mother God through scriptures, scholarship, the arts, and everyday life. I am your host, Kate, and today I have a very special guest with me, someone who I have admired from afar and uh, listened to her podcast. My guest is a certified life coach, a wife, and mother to four children. Um, She has a bachelor's degree in psychology, like me, and she loves flower gardening, snow skiing, hiking, painting, and she and her sister advocate for women of Christ discovering and using their voices. So my guest is Jody Stewart, and she is one half of the the voice of the podcast, Speak Up Sister podcast, and she hosts that with her sister. So Jody, welcome. Thank you, Kate. It's a privilege for me to be here having this conversation with you. Likewise. Um, Thank you so much. So I first heard of your podcast. um, I was listening to a Leading Saints podcast. Okay. And um, I just really loved, I loved the insights that you shared about how men and women have different communication styles and um, just ways that you're advocating for women to learn to speak up because it's sort of a cultural um, thing that we're not used to speaking up or we're not used to grabbing onto our authority in those ways and we're mm-hmm. and we're outnumbered. Um, and that's kind of what I gleaned from that. And so when I went to your um, your podcast, I was pleasantly surprised to find some episodes about Heavenly Mother. Um, I was, oh, yes. I was tickled. <laughs> <laughs> and when I listened to them, I just, I loved them so much. And, um, I shared this with you on Instagram, but I listened to them and I just felt really strongly that I wanted to share them with my own mom. And I had been sharing with her my feelings about Heavenly Mother before. And, you know, she listened Um, but she wasn't really feeling that connection, but hearing both of your episodes, uh, the two, it was a two part episode about it. She, it just really meant a lot to her. And she like shared it with all my sister-in-laws and, and, um, that was really gratifying for me. I was really happy. Yes. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. So, um, so thank you. (laughs) Oh yes. my goodness. Yes. So uh, it's it's exciting. I mean, you feel the same kind of like joy from feeling the momentum of women understanding the importance of of even just having more acknowledgement of of our divine mother in our everyday life and in our conversation and it really is deeply empowering for women. Yes. 
Yes. I thought it was just so important how you talked about why it's, why it's important that we know of Heavenly Mother and how it can affect the way we interact in our church relationships and in our marriages. And so mm-hmm. that was awesome. So I, I want to talk more about uh, the mission of your podcast and everything. But first, I would just love to hear what your experience has been um, finding Heavenly Mother in your life. When did you start thinking about Heavenly Mother? What sparked it? And what has your journey kind of been like? Um, so I think like many other important things in my life, it has been very line upon line. There's, there isn't a, a defining moment that changed the course of things for me. But um, it, it's been, uh, I think, a compilation of things that have been in me without me even realizing it or recognizing it at the time. Um, uh, it probably started in my young motherhood with, um, well, with a recognition that the way I show up and participate as as a mother is and the way I love as a mother is very different than the way my husband does and and um and he's a marriage and family therapist and we have frequent conversations about men and women and different contributions and um but but we felt really strongly that both influences were equally important although very different and and I know that in some ways that's a me taking my human context and applying it to the divine. And there's a lot that I don't understand there, but but I am a mother. And and what I experience as a mother is very unique to mothers. Um and and I have I found myself early on when pressures of life were getting really intense, often praying and just feeling like I don't know how to get the answers I need from a man. (laughs) That was kind of the sentiment. You know, I trust and love you, Father, (laughs) but I need a woman on this. I need someone to meet me where I'm at. Um. So I think just a handful of those experiences uh, and then also just me feeling a really strong connection to the feminine in in my gardening. So I was getting close to the earth um, in the artwork that I appreciate and and all of these things kind of evolving over time and those in combination with my personal journey of having to learn to use my voice because I wasn't raised in an environment that really, um, in some ways, there were some ways that, that I was nurtured in that, but in very specific feminine ways, I was very affected by, uh, um, a covert culture of, I, I just believed that it was my job to make sure other people had had their 
say and got what they needed. And so it was, it's been a pretty intense personal journey of mine to, to discover that charity isn't just for somebody else, you know, that having, even having good ideas and making contributions isn't just for somebody else, particularly men. Um, so a lot of that has just evolved and informed over time my my feeling of a connection to a heavenly mother and uh and then that has just been fueled by poetry about her music about her beautiful artwork about her and i find that so enlivening i just feel like it lights my soul on fire in a happy and good ways. I mean, it just really encourages me to be the best version of myself and to seek for, you know, a true model. Uh, and so I just have kept it up. And and um, it's not always very well received. Are you, Do you find this also? <laughs> That's kind of surprising and discouraging to me sometimes. But... Uh, I think we just need some time to come around because I think there are a lot of true principles in there. And I feel that that is what has been leading me along and opening my world up to all, all the things about her. Yeah. Yeah. What sources of poetry or art like are some of your favorites or some that reconnect you to her? I'm terrible with remembering names, so I'm not going to have any very good particular sources for you. But um, poetry, I love poetry anyway, and I am a fan of the poetry of Mary Oliver. And she doesn't necessarily describe the feminine divine, but her way of describing things of the earth to me is like a beautiful and natural connection to that. So I feel very connected to heavenly mother through her poetry. Um, And I also love uh, Carolyn Pearson's poetry. Yes. And her recent book is fabulous. She does. I think she does a beautiful job weighing both sides, the beauty and the majesty of the truth in it. And then some of the sadness and the, the difficulty of, of not having it just be a part of, you know, a a natural part of our being yet. Um, So I love those. I love both of those poets. Um, And honestly, the artwork, I, I love almost any artist depiction of heavenly mother and i am so inspired by the variety yeah. I, yeah it's just so wonderful and there has just been an explosion in the last few years of artists coming forward with representations of her and i think actually my the my first the first time i saw a piece of artwork of her was caitlin conley yeah. And I was like, where has this been all my life? And I, I mean, I almost felt like, why have I not been 
why have we not been asking for this? What, why did it take this long? Yes. But but just so happy to finally see it. And and I think that that has just been somewhat of an open door in a, in a way. Um, so, yeah. yeah, those are a few examples of my favorites. I love that. I love that painting as well. If it's the one you're talking about that Heavenly Father and Mother are at the top and they're Yes, their bodies. All the children, all the children of made of the children. Oh, it's just so beautiful. (laughs) When I found that as well, like in 2020, I like made it my screen background, you know, on my phone because I just wanted to look at it all the time. And that sums it up. What you said, it's like this, like where, like uh, I feel like (laughs) I'm been starving for it, and I didn't know it until Mm -hmm. I saw it. Yeah. Like I said, I am so grateful for the technology that we have now because I can see so much art. Like every day I see right. a new depiction of mm-hmm. Mother God and it's just food. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I am wanting to hear, you know, you started talking about how you have felt this call to speak up and to bring your voice um, to an equal level. I don't know if that's how you want to summarize it, but um, what is the Speak Up Sister podcast all about? Um, Why, where was the idea born to share your skills and your knowledge about this? And Um, it's been a really exciting, a really exciting process, but um very, as you know, quite, it can be quite overwhelming. Um, but I tend to be the kind of person who is, is pretty accommodating and, you know, I'm sure there are a handful of people in my life who might disagree with that, (laughs) but I have an older sister and she's the oldest. And so I was accustomed to another woman just calling shots steering us. And, and I just kind of grew up fine with that. And so in a lot of ways, I just go along. Um, and this is something that I had my own, felt my own personal motivation about. And I want to say that Jamie was the one who years ago, probably just threw out there, she's full of wonderful ideas uh, all the time. She just is such a producer in many ways. And and she just threw it out there years ago. Um, and when the time was right for me, I just really felt driven. And she was able to make it work in her schedule. But interestingly enough, when we started, we just kind of thought, I, I don't even remember, honestly. I don't remember what I thought we would talk about. But when we decided to get going and we knew that we wanted it to be gospel centered, um, the first really strong impression I had about where to start was was with anger. And those were our first few episodes. And I felt like we can't go anywhere unless we address anger first, because when you start talking about this stuff, the anger comes with it. And we didn't want the women to be. We didn't want our audience to be disarmed by that. We wanted them to know they could use it as a tool. Uh, they could use it to inform their circumstance and to 
to make choices moving forward. But um, so that 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 took some courage on our part. Yes. Um, but the second really strong impression that I had was we, we have to talk about Heavenly Mother. And we were raised, Jamie and I were raised in a home where the belief was she's so sacred we don't talk about her. And as soon as I read Martin Polito's article that from the research that he did through BYU, both my husband and I were like, we've had it. It's been wrong all this time. And so Jamie and I, in just in our, uh, in our experiences and conversations with many other women, we were discovering that every household doesn't understand that we can talk about her, that it's, we've had a big cultural misunderstanding and, and we don't have to play to that anymore. And so um, I really felt a push from the spirit to, to bring up that topic. And I think like we discuss in those episodes, when we truly understand and feel freedom to acknowledge the divine mother. And when we understand that she plays a vital and equal role that's when we can step into our own vital and equal roles instead of genuinely believing that it's, you know, we're, we're somewhere in the background. So I think it does have a, an effect. Anyway, I'm getting caught up in the, <laughs> in all of that stuff. Well, but, when you're talking about that, you know, I was listening to a friend today talk about how we are, queens and priestesses I mean Mm. that's what we are anointed to become in the temple and that is how we can think of our heavenly mother you know but I I just don't know I I've been endowed for over 10 years but I hardly ever think of myself as a priestess (laughs) you know right but I, I think as I um come to know my heavenly mother more I feel more like stepping into that gift of power and mm-hmm. my inheritance mm-hmm. you know as her daughter so I my experience with that is that it, much of that has come with age and that the older my children have become and the older I have gotten then I do start moving into the second half of life and and looking toward what what then yeah um and then it really does i mean it really does matter to me and i and i can see myself becoming a priestess and it does affect the way i show up um in my partnership in my marriage yeah. uh there have been times when <laughs> i've had conversations with my husband and just said if this is if what we're doing stays. I don't want this forever. If this cannot, this can't happen. I can't. If I'm, if I am like the strong other half of this partnership, if we're going to be a king and a queen forever and ever, we got to start doing something different here. Yeah. The question that's been in my mind is what has your experience been like discovering your voice? That's part of your tagline, discovering and using Mm -hmm. your voice. When did you feel the need to 
discover your voice that kind of gives an inkling that like maybe weren't connected to your voice at some point or many of us aren't oh, yeah yeah and and it's so many women are and they just have that and they have it nurtured and uh jamie and i were just not some of those women um i didn't yeah i i just went into the building of my own family with the belief that it was my responsibility to make sure everybody else got what they needed. Um, and it wasn't until I had somewhat of a personal crisis slash breakdown when I couldn't, I couldn't recover. I couldn't just get a good night's sleep and get up again and carry on. And I just, so everything in my world came to a screeching halt. And it was about the time that my oldest child was 12. And, um, so I sought some therapy and I just, I even went in there and said, I just need you to help me put a few things back together so I can carry on. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I was so naive. I mean, hallelujah. There was a, a good woman out there who could help me make sense of what was going on and help me see the, the earnest, but big error of my ways. Um, and so it was at that point, which um, was a good 10 years ago or so, and, and I had to start then speaking up for myself. You know, I had no problem speaking up for my kids, sometimes speaking up for my spouse or and a variety of other situations, but I had just shut down any inclination in myself to speak up for me. Yeah. And so I had to start then and it was really ugly at first and not ugly, ugly because I didn't know how to do it and ugly because I had stuffed so much of me down that when it did finally come out, it was mad. Yes. <laughs> and I really, I really, I had, I mean, I had people I was mad at for sure, but Ultimately, I was the one who bought into all of it and responding to it like I didn't matter. And so it took just repeated willingness time and time again to just keep trying to show up and say the things. And if it was too much and too strong to make repair and try again. Um, and it was and still is, can be quite a process. Although I do feel like, I feel like with a lot of courage and practice, it's been able to just become more a natural part of my life now. Yeah. Well, you have stored up some advice for the rest of us. I was going to say, <laughs> how, how was that like initially received? Like you said, it was ugly. I, I mean, mm. I've, I know what you're saying, you know, I've, I am, um, uh -huh. I'm going through that. <laughs> it is hard to begin expressing things and unpacking things that are, uh, that have uh -huh. been living beneath the surface. But anyway, yeah. What was your experience like? So you maybe have talked about with your spouse, what about things at church? 
you can talk about either one, whatever you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll start with my spouse. Cause that was the messiest. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, yeah. Hard times, really hard times because when I started speaking up, I did it really um, just in really messy ways. Uh, and I did lots of blaming and um, I, I wasn't, much of a name caller, but I pointed a lot of fingers. Um, and that's not helpful. If you, if you want results, that's not the way to speak up. But, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do with, I, with all this stuff that was bubbling out of me. Um, and while we were all just kind of going on with, with these, uh, beliefs and expectations that seemed to be at my expense, and everybody was okay with it. So um, a lot of arguments, a lot of um, a lot of confusion, a lot of just, I guess I just started to care more that I, what was going on for me felt true to me more than I did about feeling close to my husband. Um, I wanted to be close to him. I didn't want to do it at the expense of our marriage. And that was very important to me. And I, I came to believe that if it was deeply important to me, our marriage could accommodate. Um, but that's a fine line. And um, there were times when we were more enemies than friends. You know, it's hard to shake up a system. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but my belief has always been that... Or, I mean, I say always now. At the time, I don't know if I could have recognized it, but I think I stayed with it so much, even through some of the really difficult times where where there was so much strain in our relationship. I stayed with it because I really believed that we could never get where the two of us are supposed to go as eternal co-partners unless I had a place I could feel good about. Um, and so I just kept fighting for that. So yeah, that one, that's not a quick fix really, but I believe, I just believe that those hard times are worth it. And, you know, I, I did have the benefit of a man who was willing to continue to work with me on that. Yeah. And I, I could have been with somebody who just said, look, (laughs) this, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, (laughs) but, um, but I didn't have that. So we made it and, and we still, we're, we are working together quite frequently now. Um, and it's not, it, you know, we have some messy times now because the two of us are trying to figure out how, we from each of our different perspectives are going to make something work together. But I feel like this is eternal work. Let's get to it. (laughs) Well, exactly. It's um, sometimes, I mean, I'm 31, right? I've been married for not yet seven years. And sometimes I'm like, how come we haven't figured this out yet? Like how, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like this is work that we, this partnership, is Mm -hmm. a dance that we have to learn forever and it's Mm -hmm. it's gonna 
once our kids grow up and are teenagers, we're going to have to learn partnership there. So, you know, I realize yeah. that I try to remind myself that. And, um, and I am also lucky to, to have someone that's wants to stick it out with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. You know, you, you asked about church also, and, um, I have, I have served in a handful of callings where I've interfaced with, with, uh, priesthood holders quite a bit. And, uh, I have not, I have not personally been in a position where somebody has tried to quiet me. In fact, I think some of what I learned, and this was happening at the time when there was difficulty in my personal life, but some of what I learned about how important it is for me to speak up came from the priesthood leaders that I was working with. Um, And there was one specific relationship when I was the Relief Society president and I was working with my bishop and he gave me so much autonomy. He didn't micromanage. He, he genuinely let me step into the stewardship and receive revelation. And he was very open to my suggestions. Um, and so I, I learned at that time, yeah, I've got a voice. I have things to say. And, and so I carried that into a lot of contexts that I think um, surprised people sometimes. But uh, looking back, I can see that that was extremely supportive to me at the time. I just hadn't, I didn't really know because I'd never been a Relief Society president before. It was all new to me and I was quite overwhelmed. Um, But, but that was huge, huge, because now I'll take that into every other calling I go into, just fully expect to have a voice and make a contribution and to be taken seriously when I do, (laughs) because that's why we have councils. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I've had good experiences there and I, I can see how difficult it would be for women to navigate when they don't, when they have priesthood leaders who don't see the vision of the importance of um, women's influence, uh, especially in, in, you know, running the church. Yeah. Have you read the book Women at Church by Nyland McBain? Yes. 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 Beautiful book. I love it. Yeah, I read, I felt um, really drawn to it last year. I was like, I just, it keeps mm. coming up. And so I finally ordered it and read it. And um, yeah, it was really great. But again, like you brought up in the beginning, like it kind of brings up these feelings of anger. Like, wait, wait a minute, yeah. you know, because she shares she shares a lot of good examples like your bishop that you're talking about and ways that they are trying to, um, you know, lift up women's voices, but also mm-hmm. some, some frustrating and real life, like really relatable examples as well. Um, yeah. And I say like, well, we're 55% of the church is women, but mm-hmm. we don't, um, we're not represented or even when we're in the room, I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think it was you, maybe it was just that book that was saying like, 
in a council, we almost have to speak up louder, like in order to bring our voice to the same level as not necessarily physically louder, but, you know, yeah, speak out more often in order to, to come to that place where we're heard. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that there is something to women having an understanding of, of their stewardship because um, which can carry some weight in those circumstances. And sometimes we don't because we're outnumbered. We think that it's just a numbers issue, but if I'm one of two women in a meeting and there are eight other men, but my stewardship is to represent the women, then I absolutely feel that there is enough power to carry the weight of that stewardship. But, but it takes time and experience to kind of get into that. And really, we're all learning in all of this. It's not like any of us get to show up and know really how it's all supposed to work. Yes. So we're all in this <laughs> giant, well-meaning experiment, this learning process together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, anyway. You brought up uh, earlier, too, you said, you know, I, you, that you love talking about Heavenly Mother, and it's not always met um, mm-hmm. very well. I'm, I'm curious if you have some advice for us about holding a strong position without blowing up or backing down or just leaving the situation entirely. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I have thought some about this. Um, and I do think that Jesus is a really excellent example of how to abide with people who don't quite get it yet. Because really, you know, if you look at his life, nobody got it. <laughs> Not even his 12 closest friends. <laughs> they they didn't get it. And they were often jockeying for the favorite position or um, not quite understanding what he was teaching. He was in a really difficult position to have so much light and so much truth to share. And yet... You know, he was dealing with developmental toddlers in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when it comes to something of this nature, when we recognize that the Spirit has taught us and brought us to a place that somebody else maybe hasn't arrived yet, um, it's okay. There's time. And that's what this is all about. And if sometimes... We struggle because we don't get it yet. And sometimes we struggle because we get it and somebody else doesn't get it yet. It's all just part of our collective learning and growth together. And so um, I think I think there's a tendency to think that we have to be in charge of the timing of learning and understanding. And it, it just isn't true. We aren't. We, we show up and we do what we can, but, but God is always the teacher. And I, and I say God, meaning Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. And so we just show up and do the work and let the seeds land where they may. 
And when they get it, they get it. But that shouldn't stop us from showing up. Um, and, I, and I have had to face um, some of this even in my own family. My mother is not at all comfortable talking about Heavenly Mother. And, and when I uh, instigate the conversation, it, you know, she'll find a, a way to be polite, but we're not going to go there. And so that's okay. You know, I'm not going to badger her. And I've had conversations with close friends who have been skeptical. And then, you know, months later might come back and say, oh, I had this experience and I heard this thing or I read this thing. And it really opened my eyes to the importance of having a relationship with my Heavenly Mother. So I just think there's room for all of us to keep learning and growing. And if we can settle in into that truth, then we don't have to feel quite so worked up about somebody not getting it. Because the truth is, even if all the men in my ward on Sunday said, we're not going to talk about Heavenly Mother anymore we shouldn't. She's too special. I mean, that wouldn't change anything for me. <laughs> yeah. It just wouldn't. They wouldn't have to talk about her, and I probably wouldn't talk about her to them. But s- someday they'll get it. Because oh. God is generous that way, that, that when we're ready, they will give to us whatever we're ready to receive. So I think there's a lot of hope, even though there can be some disappointment. I just have to remember, just because they say it's a thing, it does. It's not necessarily a thing. Doctrine is doctrine. So, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're describing the attribute of patience. Oh, yes, yes, we're gonna have to learn that, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> It's a hard one to learn. If you ask for patience, God will give you opportunities to be patient. Yes. Yes. Oh, I I keep thinking, oh, yeah, I learned how to be patient. Now now I'm patient. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I never have quite enough to be at that level. No, (laughs) no. Yeah, we ask those questions and all we are going to get are invitations to try it out. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> um, so so we have patience. I think thank you for that wisdom. That was so great. I, um what about you mentioned using our anger in constructive mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think anger is an important emotion, and it can inform us about what's important to us, about where we perceive injustice, Um, and it can also open our eyes to places, um, times when we're not saying things that we need to say or speaking up about something. Um, And so the anger, I think the anger can be very informative, but it cannot be the the mode that we use to to express because then then it just backfires. And if we have an important message, if there are things that 
that we want to share and we want our contribution to be taken seriously, then we can't do it in a way that overwhelms or belittles. Yeah. And I have learned that from personal experience. <laughs> and that's okay too, you know, because we can, there, we can, there's always another chance. We can just keep trying and keep working. So I don't think we need to be afraid of the anger. I mean, we should be cautious and not let it get out of control. But I don't know a person who hasn't, in some form, gotten out of control. And felt like they had to apologize and repent and dial it back in. That's a part of learning how to be in a body and have human emotions. So, um, so yeah, I think we, we should not, we don't want the anger to keep us silent. We don't want to be so afraid of anger that we don't say things. Don't bring up what's in our hearts or... Um, speak up for ourselves when we need to, or share something important. Um, if somebody, you know, we feel like there's an important opportunity. Um, but the way we respond to it, right? I mean, feeling it is one thing, yeah. but there's just, we've got to create a lot of space between the feeling of it and the responding. Yeah, I feel... Um a journal has been very useful for me in that yeah. and also good friends that I can sort of, um, you know, maybe that aren't the ones causing the anger, but that I can sort of just share my feelings and then, but especially a journal, because when I journal, I can write whatever I want and then I can go through it and comb out like where, where are the truths here and what can I do with mm-hmm. it? what, mm-hmm. what is within my, um, sphere of influence to change and what is not, what is something that I need to just kind of let go of? Like you talked about, like, I can't control all the men in my ward or women in my ward mm-hmm. and how they feel about heavenly mother, no matter how many times I bear my testimony of her. So I need to let go of that, but I can control ways that I invite you know like like this podcast like sometimes I feel like oh I wish things would change and then my husband reminds me like why do you do the podcast is it to change the church or is it to be a resource for people that are seeking heavenly mother Mm. and that's one that I have to be reminded of all the time because that is that is my true um, desire. I'm seeking and celebrating Heavenly Mother. And um, when I discovered different like accounts online and blogs and podcasts about it, I felt like someone was throwing me a life preserver, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt gratitude for that. So it's, it's enabled me to make something constructive out of pain and anger, but also my joy. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe Kate, that when people are ready for your message, they will find you somehow and you will be that resource. So yeah, keep it Thank up. You. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, this has been such an awesome conversation. I'm so glad that we could get together and celebrate Heavenly Mother and also, you know, invite our audience to discover their voice and and use our voices uh, to speak up about our needs. Mm -hmm. And um, I do feel that our mother in heaven also wants that of us. Like she, she does use her voice and she, she designed, she helped to design the plan of salvation. She helps to create the earth and all of us. Um, She is a full partner. And when we internalize that, um, our world can change Mm -hmm. and our culture can change. so is there any parting words, any thoughts that you wanted to share before we go? Words of wisdom from your experiences? Hmm. You know, in this moment, I'm just remembering this quote that's come up quite frequently. And I heard it first from Sherry Dew um, when I was in college. Uh, and she was quoting President Kimball's wife. It was President Kimball's talk, and he was sick, yeah. and she delivered it while he was sick it, to the women. It was during a women's session of General Conference. But he, the quote says something about growth in the church will come because the good women of the world will be drawn to the women of the church. And I have a really deep belief that part of what will draw women of the world to the truth of the gospel is the women of the church having a deeper understanding of who they are and who they are becoming. Um, And that, that belongs to all of us. We each get to own that. And I, it is, I think it is just a beautiful truth that needs to settle in every woman's heart and her life will flourish in the way that only it can with that power. That's lovely. I love that quote too. We've, we've talked about that one before Mm -hmm. and uh, seeing that come true and yes, so beautiful. So, um, Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, for, for being prepared and for doing the work that you're doing. Um, if our listeners want more conversations and practical tips about speaking up, where, where are all the places they can find you? Um, so they can check out our website, which is speakupsister.net, or they can just listen to episodes at Speak Up Sister Podcast. Uh, and I think, let's see, we are also on Instagram at Speak Up Sister Podcast. So those are our places. And um, yeah, we would love to to connect with any and all of you. <laughs> this yeah. is a great work. And we love being a part of it with such excellent women. Yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to, to point others there. Thank you so much, Jody. Thanks for joining me. And 
I hope to be able to visit with you more. I hope so too. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll share it. And if you haven't yet, please leave us a review. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a monthly donation at anchor.fm slash inherimage. We hope you'll tune in next Sunday for another inspiring episode. Thank you.